Good morning. It's good to be here to share this morning. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoy, I enjoyed preparing for this message. And as I watched the, the bumper and the, the water kind of bubbling up, um, you know, part of that, the, the reason for that, um, I'll tell you about in a minute, but it kind of provided a great segue into talking about our baptism service, our water baptism service. You know, water is, is, a, is, a, is we need it, right? We, we must have it. it. It restores us. It replenishes us. And Jesus said he, he is the living water. When we drink from him, we'll never thirst again. And um, that water is a symbol also of, of, of someone who has made a decision to follow Christ. And a water baptism actually marks that beginning. You know, baptism is, is all about people's lives being changed. I'm very involved in the baptism and the connection series and the classes and, and helping people prepare and get ready for baptism along with Pastor Skip. And we, we love that service. And so I, I just encourage, I encourage everyone to, to come to that because you get a sense of really how God is affecting and changing people. You hear it. People tell their stories. Um, right before they get baptized, and it's a really incredible moment. Um, but I want to share a couple of scriptures first before we begin in your handout. Um, these scriptures have a couple of really key uh, points in them that I think will set the stage for where we're going. Um, the first one is in the New, New Testament, Matthew 12, 20 through 21. And this is the New Living Translation. It says, He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. This he we're talking about is Jesus. And his name, the name of Jesus, will be the hope of all the world. I just love that, that scripture. And then in the Older Testament, we hear from the prophet Jeremiah, who knew what it was like to suffer and, and knew what brokenness and being separated from home meant. And he says, The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. I think all of us can even kind of relate to what he's saying there in our own lives in various times of loss and brokenness. Then he says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. This whole idea of hope, you know, we're, we're going into Christmas season. Christmas is about hope. It's about the coming of Christ entering into humanity and, and blessing and touching and being with people and, and God entering into our mundaneness, God entering into our lives. But as I think about hope, I, I, I think about how, how does God actually bring hope? I mean, the, the Christmas message is about God bringing hope through His Son, but I, I really feel, and, I, and I've seen this, um, and I've experienced this, that God actually brings hope through others, through people. People are actually and become agents of hope. And it's an amazing thing when you see it, when you see you know, people getting blessed by other people. Um, I experienced this this year in a very powerful way. Um, I wasn't expecting to have this experience. It wasn't on my calendar at the beginning of the year. I like kind of planning out my year and trying not to, to veer from, from how I set it up. I don't have control issues. It's just, you know, I like, 
I like kind of setting the calendar out, knowing what's ha coming and preparing. And, and, um, and I guess I'm, I, I don't like surprises that much, but I know and I, every year I know that there are going to be surprises. And the surprise for me this year was uh, a man in the church approached me and said, hey, it was just a simple conversation. I actually sent me an email and said, hey, you know, New Orleans, for some reason, has just been on my heart. I keep seeing it in the news. I keep um, hearing about it. And I just I feel this, you know, this burden for it. And, and, and this, this man was a, a fairly new follower of Christ and was trying to just figure out what does this mean when, when you, you feel this burden. And, and I, I just read the email and I, and I just smiled and thought to myself, that, that very week, the same thing was happening to me. Um, there were little things, little snippets. I mean, New Orleans is, is dear to my heart because my ancestors came through New Orleans, and I have family that live there even now. And so I have a connection to the city, but, um, but I never really felt like I did much right after Katrina. And, and, and I, I felt like, boy, I wish I could, I could do something. And that was happening that week when this person came to me and said, New Orleans is on my heart. And it's kind of one of those moments where you're like, okay, God, what, what's going on here? You know, I, I've got my calendar set, and I'm too busy. I can't imagine, you know, adding another thing. But it just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And, and you know, I, I went through this whole process of just accepting that this is, this is what God's plan was for my, my year and the year of a few others. We had sign-ups for this trip. I thought maybe five people would sign up. I had very little faith. Um, and then I was surprised as I started getting the applications and the trip filled up and then it overflowed and we had to expand it. And I was just blessed by that, you know, just by the fact that there were so many people that, that had this heart, the same, uh, the same, whatever God had put on the original person's heart and my heart, it, it was just spreading, spreading, you know, and that's what God does. That's what his love does. That's what he does through people. Um, so we go. And um, we were there just actually a month ago. And um, so it's very fresh, very uh, fresh in my mind, in my emotions. Um, anytime you have an experience, um, you know, where you go and you see, um, you know, we have brokenness all over our city, all through our lives. No matter where we go, there's brokenness and there's destructions. There's destruction and relational uh, damage. And, and there is um, a lot of pain and brokenness in the world. As Jesus even said, that we will have that in this life. That we're not promised a perfect life. But there was something about New Orleans that really, um, it, it was a, a, a very fresh and living example and something that we, we entered into this team of 25 people. We go in and we really didn't know what to expect. And you know, we were really blown away you know, by two years after the storm, and you think that things are, would just be all back together again, and, and uh, we were blown away by, by the uh, level of destruction, you know, still. Um, but the experience that I had was, was not really about um, New Orleans, per se, and the destruction or the whole politics around the storm and the re rebuilding of New Orleans. It became more about people. Um, you know, because God does use people and their stories and experiences to move others. And, and so suddenly we found ourselves in the midst of these people's stories. And, and other teams before us didn't, uh, we were told by the mission, um, Mercy Response, this organization, that not all of the people, the teams, get to interact with the homeowners. Sometimes you just go into a home 
and you, you do a lot of demolition and cleanup and cleaning things out, and you never meet the person who lives there. So there's no real uh, emotional connection. You know, you're just picking up things and throwing them in a pile, and you, know, you just kind of get, and we, were, we actually did a couple of houses like that where we didn't know the owner, and you know, we had a lot of fun, and we just you know, worked hard, and I just saw this team of people from here. Many of you are sitting here today, and just work hard and just be very present in the moment. And, but there were a couple of places where we did get to interact. Um, the first, first place was a man named Anthony. Um, this is a, a 86-year-old man, retired uh, fireman, and uh, he was a pilot in the military. Um, Anthony is a sweet man. When we first met him, um, there were a lot of tears um, from Anthony. And this is a man from a generation that, you know, tears are not usually shed in front of others. And uh, he was very raw. Um, he he uh, shed tears in front of us and would apologize and just say whenever he talks about Katrina and, and its aftermath, it just it moves him, you know. Um, one of the things that Anthony said to us was when, when he first, we were working before he came, and then he walked up, and in his beautiful southern, southern Louisiana, very specific accent, said, you know, I, I know, I, I, I don't see any wings on you, but I know you must be angels. And he recognized that there was something in our presence there that was something other than just a, a, a body doing work. And, and that touched us. He, he, everything, you know, we, we went through his garage, and, and like I say, some houses you would go through and you would just start throwing stuff out, but we went through his garage, and he's, he's with us, and, and we're, we're carrying out photo albums and, and books and CDs and crates that are still filled with flood water, just the books soaking in the water, and all of the things of his life and his memories that are just all destroyed. I kept thinking of the scripture, do not, do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but rather store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy or corrode. Um, you know, and that, that scripture came to life to me because the things, I realized things are going to get destroyed or, or will corrode, but it's the relationships with people, it's friendships, it's family, it's church, it's community. Those are the things that are eternal. Those are the things that when we put our life into it are eternal. Um, I want to show you a um, little something from Anthony that I keep forgetting to bring out. But he was a retired fireman. And um, he was so moved by our presence and our interest in his story. Um, we had such, we were all so interested. We wanted to know, know more about him. And, and it's kind of hard sometimes when someone's 86 years old, you know, we'd ask him certain questions and he just, it, he'd make it very clear that he wasn't going there, you know. But, but we managed to get on a thread with him with uh, being a fireman. We were all just, you know, just saying how awesome that was that he did that. And he rose to the rank of captain, and he gave the team this. this. And, and, and I guess that the significance of this, of him giving this, is that he, he was moved by, by our presence and our love for him. And he wanted us, he gave up something that was of value to him um, as a symbol you know, of thanks. And, and this was powerful, very powerful. Um, I know this is just a thing. It's something that moth and rust will corrode, um, and it will go. But it's the heart, it's the spirit behind this um, that, that, that is eternal, even though this will fade. 
there is, there is eternal things attached to this um, that are very powerful. Now, another experience, aside from Anthony, was uh, a man named Charlie. Uh, Charlie, uh, wow, he, uh, in his 40s, an optometrist, uh, before the storm was a, a successful optometrist, had a business as uh, part of his home. You know, he had a, a practice in the front, storefront, and then he lived in the back. Charlie and his father built this place um, together. And he, he, as he started, when we first met Charlie, he was, um, had a lot of anger. Um, there was, he was pretty, pretty uh, shut, shut down in many ways, as you can imagine. Uh, Charlie lost his business and his home, and he had a retirement home in Mississippi that he lost all in the same storm. So a storm came in and basically wiped out. Imagine, and I try to think of this and try to, you know, just try to fathom what this would mean if, if God, you know, if there was just this uh, removal of everything, kind of a Job experience that this man had. I mean, true uh, living Job, we felt, you know, we were in the presence of. And so we were there to help him clean up, um, to give him some love, uh, to encourage him. And that's what we did. We tried our best to encourage him. And both Anthony and Charlie, throughout the week, the, the beginning of the week, if I could just de describe the transformation from sort of even body posture of them. I'm seeing them in the beginning and um, seeing this sort of almost crumpled, crumpled up person, you know, from, from destruction. And by the end of the week, sort of a lifting of that. And, and there was this, it was beautiful. By the end of the week, we were all buddies. We were friends and felt like, you know, Anthony was our, was our grandfather. And, I mean, he was just so sweet and, and kind and, and excited for us to be there. And, and Charlie started really lightening up. He started, you know, there was something in, that, in him that began to change. And it was just an amazing thing. We, we realized that hope, in this case, and I thought about this a lot. Hope is, is not just a word. You know, it's not just a noun. You know, it's a, it's a verb. <laughs> Hope is a verb. It's an action. And, and, it's, and, and that really started taking on meaning for me. In, in your handout, there's some quotes from our team members. Um, I asked them to, to give me their reflection on, on what hope, how they are reflecting back on New Orleans and what hope really means. And there's so many great examples here. I'm not going to go through every one of them. But the second one down is a, is a very uh, one that touched me a lot. It said, our visit to New Orleans was a restoration, which if quoted out of the dictionary means to bring back into existence. I viewed the experience as bringing the people we touched, not just their homes, back into existence, bringing people, restoring lives. They were seen, felt, listened to, cared for, laughed with, and ultimately it became clear to them that they mattered. And I believe truly that the fact that they realized that they mattered to someone, even a bunch of strangers, gave them hope. I mean, that's powerful. I mean, that, that, is, that sums up an experience that, that we had in New Orleans that I honestly wasn't expecting to have, as I said. I have to tell you about a you know, personal moment, the beginning of my year, I had a moment where, kind of one of those moments where you're praying and, and I was just asking God to show me 
You know, this is sometimes a dangerous prayer. Lord, show me where my heart or where I'm, you know, correct me. Show what, what's wrong here. I need, I need your guidance. And God will always freely give that if we, if we listen. And what I heard back was, you know, your heart is, is hardening. It's not, it's not hardened, it's not gone, but it's hardening. And, and I felt, you know, I felt around that just this, um, I, I, I felt a lot of, um, well, fear around that, actually. I felt fear because I, I felt, Lord, I, I love what I do. I love that you put me in a place where I can care for people and I can encourage people and bring hope to people. It, I love that, but, but I feel like, you know, my heart was getting hard. And, and I, you know, this can happen to, to any of us. You know, we can get weary in doing good things, you know, and we can get so weary that we start to, to lose the real, and, and I felt like it was almost like, a, like losing a sense of compassion, like I would be with others, but I, but I you know, I, I felt like maybe there wasn't, as, there wasn't the same kind of connection that I was having before with people. So I felt a lot of fear around that, and I, and I just started praying. I said, God, please help, help me, and I started praying another dangerous prayer, Lord, um, soften my heart. And that was how it started. Lord, soften my heart. You know, sometimes I don't, I don't cry when I think that I should be weeping. And, and there, are mo there are things that, that should move me more, but my heart is hard. So soften, Lord, soften my heart. And then, whatever it takes, God, soften my heart. Right? Okay, then fast forward to New Orleans. That, that's kind of the, the tie-in there is that I pray, Lord, even break my heart break my heart so it can be poured out and so that I really can be with people and, and love people. Well, then God gave New Orleans as an experience to me, and he broke my heart in New Orleans. I mean, being with people that are, that are in a place of, of real brokenness that you can see. I understand that in our lives, there, we, in, in this room, there, there is brokenness in many different forms, and that we all can have our own personal Katrinas, our own personal storms in life. I have had my share, and I know I will have more to come. More will be on the way, but hope, hope is what God brings to us in those times, those storms. Now, I, I felt like God really gave me this, this, this moment, this, this experience um, with others in New Orleans, but I felt like, you know what, there's, it, it, it's got to be more. There, it, we go, we, you know, I love short-term missions trips, right? I love, we go to Mexico and have this amazing time in an orphanage in Mexico every year. We've gone to New Orleans, and, and I love these trips, but these trips are, are really just a, a week-long experience. I mean, we're called, I, I believe, and I believe this is part of what we are as a church. We are all missionaries. You know, I don't believe that there's just a missionary. Of course, there's missionaries that go to Africa and have a specific call and specific duties. But I believe that I'm a missionary and that I'm, I'm to be a bringer of hope. And, and that's something that when I went to New Orleans and when I've gone to Mexico and different places, I'm like, okay, now I've got to go back. What, what, what happens when I go back? Do I just talk about this experience like it's just another story? Or, or, or out of that experience, does, does something change? Does something move? And I believe that that's, that's why we went. I believe that's why we go and why this particular team went 
was to come back and that experience to filter through and the story even that I'm sharing now would be an encouragement um, to us to be bringers of hope. And so I want to I just kind of go through a few thoughts, closing thoughts that would kind of illustrate. It's like why, uh, if, if we're to be bringers of hope, then, then how do we do that? There's got to be some way that we can, we can actually bring hope to others. You know, we don't need special skills or um, special degrees or education to be bringers of hope. I believe that bringing hope means, number one, just basically serving others in tangible ways. I mean, this, this is just a, uh, this is what community is about, serving other people. You know, this is what we live for. This is what, this is part of what I'm involved in with the Connection series of getting people involved in church. Not, not just so, so I can have statistics saying, look how many people we got serving in church. It's nothing about that. It's about encouraging people to enter into serving, which is serving is a huge part of growing. You don't, we, we don't just serve because God says to serve. Of course he said to serve. He said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom. That, that's, there's something about when we serve that we bring hope of God to others. So when people are serving around the church in any capacity, serving in the city, we do urban ministry where we go out in the city and serve um, the homeless and, um, and abused children. We serve a lot of different places in that ministry. Um, and we serve all throughout the church. And every single point of service is a, is a, is a point of sacrifice and giving so that others will be able to experience and have hope. And that's why when we serve, when we operate a camera or pour coffee or do whatever, it is part of that bringing hope. Serving matters. It matters a lot. Um, I believe that communities serve one another. You know, and, and I know from going to New Orleans and experiencing you know, what a disaster can do, I know that I, I have a, and I had this even before New Orleans, God put a passion and a, uh, on me to help prepare our community for potential disasters in our area and how our community could be a blessing to others. Um, I invited the Red Cross, they have a table over here, um, lovely lady Gwen who has um, come from the Red Cross. The Red Cross basically figured out that churches were a great source of serving the community and the, and the ones that were the first responders in many disasters. Churches are the ones that are responding. So their, their vision is to equip the churches and to come in and help churches, individual members, prepare themselves. Why? Not so that they can be comfortable when there's a disaster and have enough food. Yeah, so they can take care of themselves so that they can go and be a blessing to the community so that they have enough sustenance for them to be able to go out. And that's why I'm passionate about, about Red Cross and about getting people prepared. You know, it's because it's about serving in tangible ways. There's so many ways we can serve. Secondly, there's, you know, we can serve all we want, and we can, we can serve so much that our hearts get hard. Um, but serving and bringing hope is not just serving in a tangible way, but it's being present. It's actually being present with others, truly present when we serve others. And so, you know, we can, we can serve and do all we want, and, and, but if there's no heart behind it and no real understanding of, well, why, why am I doing this? 
you know, then it's just another volunteer opportunity. It's just filling, filling some time with a volunteer opportunity. Or is there a reason why, you know, we give, we serve? The reason is to be present with people. God is present with us. We sang that song, here and now, here in this moment, God is present. Emmanuel, God with us. That's powerful. God, God models presence. He, he sent his son in the form of a baby, grew to a man and walked this earth and healed and touched people and was present with people. Jesus was very present. I mean, lepers would come up. You know, people with leprosy would come up and, and everybody would, would shun away and, and, and shy away from them, right? And Jesus would come and touch them. He was present. And that leads me into my third point, which is touch. There is a, uh, bringing hope is such a, a powerful thing when it involves touch and affirmation, affirming, affirming words, healing touch. And, and like I said, Jesus was, he believed in touch. He touched people when he would heal them. And he even says in the Bible to lay hands on one another and pray for healing. You know, we're called to lay hands on one another in appropriate ways. And there's an appropriate way to touch. And when I say appropriate, the appropriate way to touch is, is when it comes from a heart that loves God and wants to see the person you're touching also share in that love of God. That's appropriate touch. A touch, a hug. It's amazing. I, I want to share a, another uh, character in, in, this, in this experience that we had in New Orleans. Um, her name is Catherine. And Catherine... Um, is actually Charlie's mom. Charlie, when he lost, um, when he lost his, his house and his business and all of that, about a year after the storm, he actually lost his father too. His father passed away. Remember I said his father, he and his father are the ones that built that place. He said he remembered every nail because his father was so meticulous. And he goes, that's that's the only thing that we have really did together as father and son was building that home and that practice. And that was wiped out. Well, Charlie's mom came down with Alzheimer's. And so Charlie not only lost his dad and his home and his business, his retirement home, everything, his, it, all of his finances were gone. Um, he lost his mom to Alzheimer's. Didn't lose her physically, but he lost a lot of the memories and the emotions and the connection with his mom. Catherine was just a joy. She was the neatest lady. I mean, I, I just wish that I could have her right here beside me. Um, she was really the, the very center of what we did. Touch and affirming words, that's what we had to give her. You know, there, there, she only had a few, a few memories and a few things that she would kind of go over and run them run them over and over and over. And we had to learn to be patient, you know, with her, her one or two questions that just kept coming. And, but all we could do is just touch and, and, and give her hugs. And she was a very, uh, she just loved kisses and hugs. And she just, everybody who was anywhere near her, she would come and just hug you and kiss you. And, and uh, she loved sweets and and so people on our team would actually take her and walk her around the neighborhood and, and take her into Starbucks and get her sweets and, and um, just take care of her and take her shopping. And, and it was just, 
it, it was so neat to watch the team, um, some of it, the, the work. So you imagine work going on. Charlie could actually work with the team. He couldn't, he couldn't clean up before because he was always watching his mom. So he's in there working and, and going through his own process, and his mom is out walking around with another part of the team. Which, which job was more important? They're, they're, they're equally important. Serving, serving others in a tangible way. Touching, touching someone's life. This is huge. This, this was a, a living example of why it's so important. Catherine was a living example of why it's so important to just embrace someone and to not think that, well, they're, they're, they're done. They're done with life. They don't have any memory. No, they're still there. And, and we, we saw that and we experienced it. And it was so powerful. So I feel like these, these three points, um, they, can just be, they can just be notes on a page, right? They can just be points of, like, what's, what's the real purpose of even sharing what, what it means to bring hope? Well, it, 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 it means, what does it mean for us right now as we're entering into a Christmas season, a season of hope? I believe that, that the experiences that we shared and hopefully that I've been able to, to uh, share with you in a way that you feel a part of that experience would inspire you, that we would walk away from here inspired to actually think of ways that we can serve others, think of ways that we can actually be more present when we're serving, Think, think of ways that we can actually touch people and affirm people more. I mean, we all have a, a long list, maybe not a long list, but at least a list of a few, few people, a few situations. Of, there, there's, always, there's no better time than right now, than today, than in this Christmas season to start by affirming people, by serving others. You know, And, and so I, I encourage... I encourage you to, to take this, to take these, these thoughts and actually um, break through, break through into, into action, that that's what it's about, is about breaking through. And so I encourage you in this day, and I encourage you in this season, and I pray, even right now, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you, Lord, would make us, all of us, agents of hope, bringers of hope, Lord. Hope is not a noun. It's a verb. It's an action. It's a movement. You would help us, Lord. We need your help, Lord. Just in my heart earlier in the year, Lord, I felt a hardness, Lord, and I prayed, God, and you answered my prayer. You answered my prayer and you softened my heart, Lord, to where I'm feeling more and I'm experiencing more, Lord. And, and Lord, I feel more of an inspiration to, to uh, do more and love more in your name. And I pray that that same inspiration, that same motivation, Lord, would be instilled in all of us, God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.